0: Ronananian I heard you mention that car work can be like therapy and I agree entirely That's the line in the, USA. I'm a daddy. I'm a USA. the car doctor you know what's wrong with this country not enough people are fixing cars We will make Hey, welcome. i and Amy, The Car Doctor. Come on in, sit down. Join me. Give us a call, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 9900 This is that radio show that everybody's talking about because we're here to try and help you fix cars and do what so many others don't seem to be able to do. We work on cars each and every day, half of the past 43 years, and I'm here to share some of that knowledge and experience with you and talk to you about your car problem and help make it work for you because... Um, doesn't matter what kind of car you're driving. There's always a solution. There's always a a better answer to that problem that's still dogging you. Like I said, 855-560-9900 is uh, the phone number, and that's 24-7. You can call, leave a message. Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and uh, put you in the lineup for the following week. And you get to talk to Harry. And Everybody seems to enjoy talking to Harry. Uh, Just be prepared that um, it's not a simple three-minute phone call. You will get to hear everything that's going on in Harry's life from the time of his childhood at a very early age because he's pretty old now and uh, right up through uh, his current status and uh, what's going on in his life and all that stuff seems to be important to him, but we humor him because he's so good at his job. We don't want to take that away from him while we're at it. Tony, stop giving me the evil eye. 855-560-9900. 2008 Taurus. I'll start I'll start the monologue and get get the show going here because uh, everybody knows Cardoctorshow.com, and there's links there for tune in, iHeart, iTunes. You can also get out and find us on Google Play for podcasts. You guys all know how to do that by now. I don't need to go over that. 2008 Ford Taurus came into the shop this week at Ari Automotive with an intermittent airbag light. It was explained to me that, well, you know, if I hold the wheel here, or if I'm driving down the road on a Tuesday, if my husband's wearing plaid socks and suspenders, it seems to turn on the check engine light. And that's pretty much the way the description was at the counter, and I went, "Oh boy, this was on uh, this was Tuesday." As a matter of fact, so I figured we were in the day because it was the day that it usually happened on a Tuesday. So I thought, "What the heck? We'll give it a shot." It's getting interesting working on cars. I have to tell you that, that, you know, they do things that they're like going in the right direction, and then all of a sudden, they go off the deep end. I think the engineer drives to the far end of the pier and just right off the end. How to retrieve fault codes on this Ford. It gave me a base fault code of B as in boy 2293. Okay, I sat and I looked up a, a 2293. I've been down this road before, and now they've made it worse because now that 2293 can have one of 28 possibilities in terms of what's wrong with it because they sub-index that particular fault code. So what they want you to do is go in, scan it. You get this code. Then go into an area of the scan tool called data fault PIDs, or parameters of identification. In other words, they want you to look and see which one of the data fault PIDs. They all say no fault. When you find the one that says fault, that's the circuit that's affected that they want you to go look at. And then you you, you click on that, and that takes you to the set of data or the data set of what you want to look at to see where the fault might be. Here's the problem. Airbags are a litigious area, for lack of a better way to put it. They've made airbags. Airbags are such a high concern because if a vehicle airbag malfunctions and, God forbid, the car is in an accident, there's an issue, somebody can get hurt or or killed because the airbag didn't work. So they're trying to make it dummy-proof. Unfortunately, I think the dummies are designing it because what they've done is They've made it so if there's no fault in the system, there's nothing to go look at anymore. All you do is you get a base code of B2293. There's no other information available beyond that. I had to recreate this intermittent failure. So my choices were simple. It was Tuesday. I didn't own a pair of plaid socks and suspenders, so that was definitely out. I couldn't dress like the husband. I had to drive the car until it occurred. I noticed that as I'm driving, if I turn the wheel nice and easy 90 degrees to the right, the light would start to blink. And that's important to know in that as the light blinks while you're driving, you have to now count the lights. So you wonder why we're going to self-driving cars with no distractions because they're going to teach us to work on cars while we're doing 60 miles an hour and be distracted by blinking lights. I counted a code 19. Here's where it gets even sicker if you're still following this. A code 19 sub-index fault code of a B2293 is a problem in the driver's side airbag loop, meaning there's a problem in the driver's airbag or the area leading down through the clock spring, base of the steering column, and so forth. The data PIDs, in other words, the area of the scan tool that the button turns on that says, hey, these are the things you want to look at to see if there's a fault, is data PID fault 29. Now, I'm no genius, and I've only been working on cars 43 years, and I'm not the smartest bulb in the shed. I don't glow the brightest. But I really want someone to explain to me why we couldn't make light flashing code LFC-19 pertain to data PID-19 so that we're all working on the same number. I, I mean, am I crazy? You,
1: sir, you're
0: an idiot. I Believe me, you're an idiot. It, It just makes you wonder what they were thinking. And I don't get it. In the end, on the basis of intermittent diagnosis like that, it came out to having a bad clock spring. 2008 Ford Taurus. You think that's a fairly new car? I do, right? And the way I captured it was, using the data PIDs, Ford factory scan tool, the IDS, I went in and I looked at the resistance value of each circuit. The driver's side airbag has to be no higher than 4.9 ohms. It was over 8 ohms. I knew that was a fault when I compared it to spec. But my concern becomes 2008 Ford Taurus, fairly new car. The part was in Detroit. And I'm scratching my head. I'm going, wow, look at this. I've diagnosed a part that never goes bad that they don't even stock anymore and we have to wait three days to find out if I was right. Well, the part showed up on, on Thursday, and, yeah, the car was fixed, and I was right. And that's not the big news. The news is that, A, they've made it more complicated, and, B, we were talking last hour about self-driving cars, and everybody came up with the idea, I'll never drive one. Listen, when they take parts away, you're going to be forced to drive in one because that's all you're going to be able to get around in. And here's an example where a clock spring, an airbag clock spring on a Seven-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it, when they move it away from the regional warehouse back to the main warehouse, that means the next step is obsolescence. It goes obsolete, and the part's no longer available. So you've really got to start to look at this. But in the end, you know what? A little bit of common sense and some persistence paid off. But I just want to give you an idea that if you are driving your car and the light starts flashing, you better learn to count, which judging by the educational process in the country and how it's kind of fallen through the cracks of late, that might be a problem for most of us anyway. But um, you don't have to worry about getting a ticket for texting. I wonder if they can give you a ticket for counting flashing lights on dashboards. And um, some of them are interesting. Some of them go as high as 32, which means it'll be three blips, a space, and then two. And... um, We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Anyway, I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. I'm here to answer your questions and solve whatever problem you've got going on at 855-560-9900. I want to welcome the gang at WLKF, Lakeland, Florida. For all the listeners down there who are tuning into this radio show for the first time, we're here to help. We're here to answer your questions, whatever they might be. If we are not live in your market or any other market... You can call 855-560-9900. There's a 24-7 answering machine there. Leave a message, and Fast Harry will call you back. I'm going to pull over and take a pause. When the car doctor returns, we're going to kick the garage doors open. And let me remind you, this hour, I think it's this hour of this weekend, yep, Tom's nodding his head, yes, my engineer, Uh, we are giving away a WIC 75th anniversary car, a 39 Ford Hot hot Rod, uh, Moon Disc hubcaps and all the goodies and uh, all the power chrome tips on the exhaust and all the stuff that looks right. It's a uh, scale model. We'll be giving that away this hour. So when you call in, you have to whine and dive fast. Harry, over the phone, convince him he is the judge on that. So uh, we look forward to giving that away this hour as well. But we are here to take your calls. Stay tuned. The car doctor will return right after this. My buddy Blake was all state. Hey, hey, welcome back. Arnold Meeting the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Daniel, eighty four Pontiac Sunbird, and see what's going on here. Daniel, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Yes. Um my wife is listening to this and so she's going to make the decision on this. Uh-oh. I found an 84 convertible sunburn. I was born between uh, a 1952 GMC and a 1948 KB5 international potato farm up in northern Maine. Uh, this is my hobby. Uh, my wife is going to take your word for it. Uh, this car has about eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 miles on it. And the fuel pump, uh, you hotwire it at work. I guess my question is: Is this going to be a lot of big issues if I purchase this vehicle, and if is, is it too old, or can you help me out here because your testimony is going to be the deciding factor if I mm. get this vehicle or not?
0: Well, you know, my conversations meant a lot. I don't know if it's ever meant this. Let's uh, let's let's back up and look at this a little bit before we decide is the car worth fixing. My first question becomes: What sort of shape is it in? Uh, you know, it's an
2: it it has never been driven in the winter it's not rusted uh, I, I i the guy started it up, but he has to hot wire the uh the
0: uh fuel pump. Fuel
2: and uh, that and we haven't taken it for a ride okay. uh but that's all i know i mean i it's a three speed transmission
0: have you uh, have i mean you...
2: it's not a major investment but as you know my wife uh, I don't want any more junk around the
0: house. So. Right. Well, and 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 at the risk of trying to avoid getting you thrown out of the house, um, you know, have you when you say there's no rust? Have you had it up in the air and looked at it on a yes, lift? Yes, I
2: did. Yes, I did. Clean,
0: no rust whatsoever. Yeah. Brake it's lines
2: never been driven in the, our main winters, which are severe. Brake, never been driven.
0: Brake lines are good. Fuel lines are good. Brake
2: lines, F- fuel lines are good. Fuel Everything tank is, is good. good. Fuel tank is good.
0: And and how much do they want for the car?
2: Uh, that's the problem. Make me an offer 400, 500 bucks and take it away from me.
0: It's gotta be worth four it it's gotta be worth four or 500 bucks. Here's the deal. The problem becomes you're talking about something that's over 30 years old. That's right. So parts availability, you can be at a risk here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, regardless of what you think you can do, you've got to decide what do you want to learn how to do. And you know the first step is okay. You've got to hot wire the fuel pump. When you say hot wire the fuel pump, what are you saying? He's got to run a hot and a, and a ground right to the pump itself, or is That's he...
2: right? That well, that was my question. I mean, how do I go? You know, I, I can troubleshoot it, but you know, that was just one problem. That was the problem. Okay. Uh, the indi- the individual's had it in his garage for about fifteen years, and he wants to get rid of it. He he happens to be my neighbor. And he says, can you take it off my hands? And my wife is, the, again, deciding factor, no more junk around the house.
0: All right, so let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this, Daniel. If you start this car up and you get it running, whatever you got to do to get it running, hot-wired, et cetera, um, what works, what doesn't work? Does the convertible top still work?
2: Yeah, uh, convertible top's a brand new top is a brand-new top. It goes in, I mean, I tried it in gear. It works perfect in gear, three-speed, everything works. Uh, but they have not been able to find uh, how to do it. The, the well, the protocol way of how to what the, the trouble spot is of, of uh, the fuel pump not getting okay. uh, live, do, live, live fire. Do,
0: do you know what engine this is? Is this the two liter or the one point eight?
2: One point eight. This is the one point eight. Well, it's got kind of a turbo. Whatever that is.
0: Okay. Um, listen, if you enjoy working on the car, it's a minimal investment. The problem's going to be how much time and how much money do you have to put into this? And I, I, I can feel your wife's energy from here. She's telling me, no, she doesn't want any more junk lying around the house. The question becomes, if you buy this car, how fast are you going to turn it around to fix it? Yeah. So, so, it becomes a, so it becomes a running vehicle. The car sat some length of time, regardless, it sat in a garage. You're going to have to go through all the systems. You're, That's going, right. you're going to have to at least drop the gas tank and get it flushed. That's you know, right. the, I, have, uh, I have no problem with okay. that. I have no problem. then you know what it's a pretty simple circuit as far as how the fuel pump works there's a main fuel pump fuse it's a ten amp fuse in the in the fuse block inside the passenger compartment um that feeds a fuel pump relay which is located out in the pass out under the hood the fuel yeah. the fuel pump relay has um an oil pressure bypass switch which is kind of interesting the fact that if you crank this for an extended period of time the oil pressure bypass should kick in causing this vehicle to start and you're saying if you crank this for 30 seconds if at the moment where that oil pressure light turns off this has a light on the dashboard not a gauge i i'm
2: being totally frank i can't remember okay. i mean i just we my, just started it with the the hot
0: wire my my and, point my point is this whether it has a light or a gauge Once the light's out or the gauge shows pressure, then the relay is bypassed and the vehicle should run if it's capable. So my question would be, coming out of that 10-amp fuse that's marked fuel pump ECM, do you have hot? Do you have power? Okay. All right. I would get a wiring diagram and I would take a look at that. I'll tell you what I will do for you if you would email me. All right? Okay. Uh, Ron at Give mm-hmm. Send me the VIN, the 17-digit VIN. You're making model again, and I will look up a wiring diagram for you so at least you have something to work from, and you can pick your way through it.
2: Geez, I'd appreciate that because this right. means almost as much as me as a new vehicle. Yeah. But, no, my mom, again, I hate to say it, but my wife is the boss. So. Yeah,
0: well, that's okay. Listen, if mom is not happy, nobody's happy. That's uh, right. You know, we all we all live there um and And the fact that they put up with us car guys, well, you know that 's just the but way But if li- he
2: she listens to you religiously and her exact words are whatever ron says i'll i 'll uh i 'll take his word for it so though no...
0: you know the, well and the, and I appreciate that, and you tell her I said thank you you know my my one concern is that are you going to be able to get parts for it? It is a Pontiac, Pontiac is obsolete. Um, I'm sure there's enough stuff around, kicking around in salvage yards and remanufacturers, and you're going to have some parts issues along the way. But I think you might as well get used to that, because I think going forward, we're all going to have parts issues with cars, and um, it's going to be a problem. But I will say this, that I will send you the wiring diagram. Then you've got to be honest with your neighbor and say, hey, listen, I want to take a look at the car. Um, Let me diagnose the, uh, the wiring issue. Now, keep in mind, if you do figure out the wiring issue before you buy it, the value of the car may go up. I'm just saying. Okay. So you got to decide where you want to take this gamble. And you know what? There's a reason my father-in-law always said, fences make the best neighbors. And um, you just want to be aware of that. All right, sir?
2: I appreciate this so much.
0: All right, so. Daniel. Send me an email, ron at com, and uh, I'll get some information out to you. You take good care. Oh, yeah, so thank you. You're very, you're very welcome. You take good care. Um, i got to tell you, it's kind of humbling. Sitting here, you get to do this show every week and, and talk to people about this kind of stuff. And the wives say, yeah whatever Ron says, um, it's kind of neat." But yeah, I'll send. send Daniel a a wiring diagram. We can see what's going on. At least the emails finally stopped about the people that are listening on the on the Sunday morning affiliates. About you know what, my wife is mad at me because I never go into church because I sit out in the parking lot listening to the car doctor. could you change the time of your show? And I'm thinking, oh boy. Anyway, I'm Ron and Amy in the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. The Car Doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Leave a message if we're not on the air. Fast Harry will call you back. Let's get over and talk to Tina in Minnesota, 2000 Ford Focus, and some questions about the engine. Tina, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help?
3: Hi, Ron. I'm skull biking. How are you today? I I, I'm am, grateful
0: you I I am well. Thank you for asking. What's going on?
3: Well, I bought my daughter a 2,001 Ford Focus, and it's got about 141,000 miles on it, and it runs wonderfully, except it doesn't run now. Um, she drove it to the grocery store, came home, parked it, and it had been running fine when she went to leave the next time. She turned it on and immediately it was making a horrible clanking noise. Uh-oh. It has not lost any oil pressure. There's still in it. And um, uh, there are no visible signs of it having thrown a rod or anything like that. And I know these things because my grandfather was a mechanic for 100 years and taught all of us to at least know how to spot signs of. of Oh, I'm checking the oil and making sure the engine was doing what it should be doing. Sure. And it just doesn't make sense that it it just did this first and nothing happened.
0: Well, yeah, so what what we're saying here, Tina, is you start it and it makes a it's got a rattle or a knock in it of some kind, but there's no dash warning lights on. Correct. And it 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 wasn't there prior. It just sort of appeared on the next startup. Correct does it change if you put it in gear no okay and it doesn't matter whether it's in reverse or drive it's just consistent correct and it it hasn't
3: lost any oil pressure and there's no visible signs of it having thrown a rod
0: does it does it change if you rev the engine up does it increase in frequency
3: I haven't tried
0: that. Not I that didn't, not, not yeah, not that I want you to rev it up a whole lot, but just bring it up off idle, does it start to climb in terms of pitch and tone? And then my next question would be what makes you think this is inside the engine? Could this be something being driven by the belt?
3: Uh, I never never thought to check a belt.
0: Um, not that the belt is bad, but well, but, you know, maybe we've got a tensioner or an idler or maybe an alternator or an AC compressor or something that's spinning on the belt that's going bad creating the noise. Okay. So, you know, what I'm oh. what I'm saying is maybe we can isolate the noise by disconnecting what we can disconnect that's easy to get to. And if we disable things and the noise is still there, then it's take apart okay. the engine time to figure out what failed.
3: Okay, if, if, if all of that does happen to be the case that it's, um, engine trouble, would a vehicle like that be worth investing the money to repair the engine? Because the car is in excellent shape other than that. I mean, the body's in real good shape. Got good tires. The suspension is good. Um, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't use any oil. Oddly well,
0: enough, um, let, me, let, let me ask you something, Tina. What what kind of car do you drive?
3: Uh, well, I drive a Lincoln. What year? Uh, Two thousand one.
0: Okay. How come? How come you're driving? Gee, Tina, how come you're driving such an old car? Because
3: um, it's because it was my husband's father, and he it to us when he passed away, and and it's just. The- yeah, nice
0: car. And it's just a good car, right? Right. Y- you know what? The only thing against the 2001 Focus or a 2002 Lincoln or whatever year car you're driving is availability of parts. If the body's in good shape, if it's got a minimal amount of rust, if the vehicle is still pretty to look at, fix it. Cars are cars are like partners; they're cheaper to keep, and you know it's it's just a matter of everything we everything you own. Is going to break at some point. You've got to decide at what level you want to fix it. I'm always amazed by the line, and this is just you and me having a personal conversation, Tina. This is just my opinion. I'm always amazed by the line of people saying, I don't want to spend any money on this car, or I don't want to spend any money on a car. I'm going to go buy a new one. And I think about that every time. You know they don't want to put two grand or three grand or five grand into a car. they're going to go out and spend forty eight thousand dollars on a new car and I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do in every case, but I start to run the numbers in my head. We had a customer this week, Larry, with a two thousand Honda Accord. It's got just over a hundred thousand miles on it been working on that car since two thousand two since two thousand two Larry has spent fourteen thousand dollars on that car maintaining it done every bit of maintenance the car needed the car's still going strong it's now what 16 years old it needed brake and fuel lines this week the brake and fuel lines rotted out and i was able to still get them from honda by the time we were done brake lines fuel lines i put a headlamp assembly in it, a couple other things he'd spent 2500 bucks and he looked at me and he said you may think i'm crazy which i don't but he said i can't buy a car for 2500 dollars and he said, I've only spent, including this repair, 16000 some odd dollars in the past 16 years. He goes, where am I going to get a car for $1,000 a year? You're not. So back to your question, that 2001 Focus, you know what? I'd price an engine if it needs an engine. I'd make sure I look at something with a good warranty on it. And if you can't get a warranty, you know, something from an engine company that, you know, maybe they're giving you six months, six thousand miles, ask them about an extended warranty. An extended warranty contract in a situation like this is always a good thing. And see what will it take to keep that car on the road because it might be cheaper to fix it than it is to replace it. Especially if it still looks good. And that's the bottom line. But that's just you and me oh, talking. Thank you. All right. Hey Tina, I, I'll tell you. I'll I like t- Go ahead, hon. I'm sorry.
3: I said I like the way you think. That's why I took the chance on maybe getting through to, to get to talk to you, Ron.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that, Tina. And I'll tell you what, let me see if I can take away some of your troubles. I know it's not much, but Harry's giving me the thumbs up. We're going to send that 39 Ford out to you. You're going to be our Wix scale model car winner this week. And uh, we hope you put it to Yay! some good use and get some get some enjoyment for it. And uh, um, you, you uh, can look at that and... Um, Think about the car doctor and some of that advice, and we hope it works for you. All right, sweetheart?
3: That's wonderful. Thank you, Ron.
0: You're very welcome. You take good care and have a good rest of the weekend. And uh, P.S. Tina, look in the box. We might stuff a few car doctor T-shirts in there, too. I noticed, by the way, you guys, um, who's wearing their car doctor T-shirt today? Let's see. Tony's got his on, and uh, Tom, Harry has his on. Tom's out of uniform. So, But then again, Tom's wearing the same shirt as me. We both got our RA automotive T-shirts on. Right.
1: Okay, so right. which wins? What can I tell you? You know, this is
0: like, what was that movie with Clint Eastwood um, uh, when he was the Marine Drill Sergeant? Ridge. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge. This is like Heartbreak Ridge. We all can't decide what T-shirt to wear. We're going to have to show up together and do drill. Otherwise, um, there's something going on here. I think this is well, a conspiracy. Well, you know,
1: unfortunately, I, I keep harping on this. So you gave us one. And mine goes in the wash. And I don't know what happens in my house. But it disappears, and like three or four weeks later, it shows up. I I can answer that
0: question. You know who steals stuff in your house when you're not around? My dog. Not me. See, not me doesn't exist in my house because most of my kids have moved out. So I'm not sure which one of my kids was not me. But they took not me with them, so that doesn't seem to happen anymore.
1: It, it, is I don't know uh, with them, too, or yeah, is I, I don't know still here?
0: I don't know still. He, they're still around a little bit. But listen, if you need a new Car Doctor t-shirt, get out to eBay and get one. You know they're out there. Anyway, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 9900 the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Nothing can catch her. Nothing can touch my phone number. This car is automatic. It's systematic. It's
3: hydromatic. Why it's greased lightning?
1: Welcome back, and
0: in the car. Like I was just talking to Tom and Tony, my engineers, and Tom was in Deposit, New York, yesterday and he said there's not a whole lot
1: in that town. What did you say again, Tom?
0: There's not a whole lot in that town?
1: Not a whole lot in that town. Deposit New York is located about 15 miles to the east of Binghamton, so it's down in the southern tier over there, and the only reason I was in Deposit New York is Route 17 slash I-86, Um had an accident and i had to reroute through deposit new york and i mean there's a couple of coffee shops it's a nice kind of a little downtown area i think i saw a place where they fix cars but i mean it's not a thriving metropolis well
0: and then what's going to happen in in
1: 8 or 10 years when when self-driving
0: cars are put into effect and that self-driving car breaks in
1: deposit new york they'll have to uh, probably send out to uh, binghamton to the uh, whatever car dealership or whatever it is that has to fix it, and now you're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting and uh, eating at the local diner.
0: Right. Like we said before about the farmers, when the farm tractor breaks in the middle of the cornfield at 5 o'clock in the morning, the cornfields aren't small in Iowa, right, or any other place. You know, that's a lot of land. That tractor's going to sit there until they can get a repair guy out to the middle of the field? I don't know. It sounds like we're going back. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a, a number of years forward.
1: ago, when the economy started to tank, there were uh, they started getting rid of car dealerships in certain areas, you know, certain underperforming right. areas. And I remember driving through Cortland, uh, New York, one day. Uh, matter of fact, you probably remember this phone call I had called you. My my right front wheel bearing started the whine. Yeah, I, I called you. This. I said I'll bring it in tomorrow. He said great. Uh, I went about ten miles, and the bearing let go. Right. Uh, the car tilted to the right. It veered to the left. I pulled it over. Um, they towed me to the closest Ford dealership at the time, which was 18 miles away, and they happened to have one on the shelf. Otherwise, I would have sat there. Right. Yeah, what else yeah, do you do?
0: Let me, go, let me go do some calls. But, yeah, I tell you what, it's interesting where technology is taking us. Uh, let's go over to uh, Jim, Prospect Maine, 2014 Toyota. Jim, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Hey, thank you very much uh, for uh, what I've learned from you over the years, technically and mechanically.
0: Uh,
4: I just love you.
0: Glad to be here, my friend. Whatever I can do to help you.
4: Well, I have a long story short. I have a Toyota uh, for 14. I got under it the other day with a 14-millimeter box and a ratchet and a oil filler uh, wrench. I put that wrench on the plug, and I couldn't get it loose. Mm. And I had struggled for 15 seconds or 20. And so just for the fun of it, I put a torque wrench on it and set it 90 pounds. And I tried to I back off it, and it, the torque wrench clipped at ninety. I put it on one twenty, and it clipped. Wow! And then I went I do my breakup bar, and with a lot of strain, I got that loose. And, and the uh, Toyota changed that oil three months ago, April.
0: So, so, and, uh, so you know the name of the guy that put that on, don't you? The,
4: the, the, name, uh, the name, the name of the mecha- Toyota.
0: Well, the name of the mechanic that put that on was Hercules. Um, the guy definitely made it way too tight. So, Jercules. <laughs> right. Were, were, were you able to get the oil filter adapter housing off?
4: That came with a big struggle, too. Tremendous struggle. And when I put the filter uh, cover back on, uh, it went, it dragged on the thread. Yeah. um uh, The threads were damaged, but they put that on way too tight. Well... And I called, I called the shop the next day. And? And, uh... It was funny. I, I think it's kind of funny in a way that I just wanted to know what the shop would say. And they said, oh, we always put them on that tight. They've got to be on that tight. Then they be- said, they might know the time. Yeah, right.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. The drain plug, not so much. The oil filter housings on the Toyotas, the canister-style filters now, We, right. I'll tell you what. We struggle with just about every one of those to the point that I have an 18-inch air chisel with a dull end. It's got a blunt nose. Wow. I ground it down. And Danny will sit there, and he'll put load on the wrench, on the, on the housing using the wrench. And I'll take the – it's great for dramatic effect when you want to scare the customer half to death. Wait, I'm going to change your oil. And you get out this big, almost two-foot air chisel adapter, and you walk up and you go, okay, hit it. And I give it a little bang, bang. Danny spins it. We shock it loose. And we've tried everything. We've put yellow grease on the O-ring. We've torqued it to spec. We've gone a little looser than spec. We find those to be a real struggle and a real issue, which is one of the reasons we stock the Toyota oil filter adapter housings in the shop because we have had to replace them from time to time. Sometimes even when they come loose, the plastic starts to strip out where the wrench won't grip it anymore, and it's an issue for later on. But um, for the record, that oil drain plug should have been tightened to 27 foot-pounds, and obviously Jercules can't read. Uh, which is why he's a jerk. Anyway, I appreciate the call, Jim, and uh, I thank you for being part of the Car Doctor family, and we wish you better things in the future for you and your automobile. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's coming back. One more call in the gate. We'll talk to Franco right after this. I need the car doctor real quick, let's go to Franco Costa Mesa, California. Franco, welcome to the car doctor, sir how can I help? Hi, Ron, thank you for having. me. you're welcome. What's going on? um all right well the, I'm in for purchasing a new car okay be
4: uh, I wanted you to be able to be the uh good mountain gallon and then all you draw there because I do mountain there right and using that
0: uh, Jeep and Subaru, and I wanted to get you taken. I know I know you love Ford. Well, I like my Ford. I like my Jeep. I like Subaru. I like them all. You know what? I yeah. I think you're in the game. The first question I've got is real quick. We've got less than a minute and a half left. Who's going to work on it? A dealer or an independent? Um, I would do the first two years. Are would we be with a dealer, and I would take
4: over. I already work on my Honda now, and I want to continue on it and, and
0: Right. I mean, you know, if you've got an independent shop in mind, you've got to ask them, can they handle working on any one of those three? You know, going forward, picking a car is all about the relationship you're going to have with the person that's going to ultimately fix it, and it's it's just going to get that much more important. I see people struggle more and more every week when they decide, you know what, I haven't been to a mechanic in five years, I think I'll go and I'll take it in and I'll I'll let him work on this one particular problem that either everybody's picked at or I've ignored for the last seven months. So a a relationship with the guy that's going to work on it, whether it be a dealer or an independent, is very important. That being said, all right, out of those three choices, I like the Jeep. And I'll tell you why. There's just something about a Jeep. There's something about... Uh, the Wranglers and, and a Wrangler Rubicon and, and, and some of the other Jeep models that are out there. Uh, you know, I have my issues with Chrysler. I think they've got some parts problems. I think they've got some information issues to the, to the aftermarket, which concerns me a little bit. But I kind of look at a car as if you like it, you don't mind fixing it. And that's what's so gosh darn important. What I would tell you to do is test drive each and every one of those. Come back to me with your likes and dislikes, and we'll talk about it from that point on. Frank, I appreciate the call. I'm running a new car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless.